Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and I think that the biggest departure from the source material in this movie was when our protagonist went to a dirty nightclub. I'm Eric, and my the thing I thought was most shocking about this movie's departure from the source material is the extreme lack of color and joy. I'm Richard, and I think the biggest departure from the source material is that the plumbers do actual plumbing. All right, guys. Do you know what movie we're talking about on Plot Spackle this week? Because we'll tell you what we're going to fill these plot holes with. The hopes and dreams of an entire generation of children. Or the fungus that's growing on it. That's right. We're going to talk about Super Mario Bros. The movie. The first video game adaptation. Well, wait, is the first... It is the first adaptation. It is the first adaptation and the oldest video game to get a movie. As we begin our this year's theme, video game adaptations, in the podcast where we talk about plot holes and how to fix them. All right, so quick plot synopsis. Where the main character of this movie is a uh, Richard uh, Deckard who is a Blade Runner. He searches for uh, humanoid robots, I guess. I don't know. I didn't really get the... I think the movie is talking about like what it means to be human or something. That was, that was not the movie. I'm pretty sure I was watching Blade Runner. No, no. It was, it was just the same art director. It just looked like Blade Runner. The story was what it means to be a dinosaur. Living in a human's world. Well, okay, I need to throw this this uh, script out. So the Super Mario Brothers movie is about two Mario Brothers, Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. They are down on their luck plumbers, but one day they get a special call that they need to go un- or plumb, I guess? I don't know. What's the verb to, pl- to be a plumber? Is there a verb? I don't know. They need to go do work on a dig site, And during that work, they get thrown into an alternate dimension where the dinosaurs weren't killed out. There, they find out that Luigi's girlfriend, soon-to-be girlfriend? I'm not 100% sure because another departure from the source material. Hot date. Hot date. Well, just some of the departure from the source material. Luigi's actually the cool brother. No one wants to be Luigi. That's... You know, if you're going to be Luigi, you are given the Mad Cat's controller, and it's not even plugged in. You know someday your kid's going to listen to this and just be crushed, right? No. He, um, I won't let him listen to this. Okay. <laughs> so so, anyways, they go there to find so, uh, Luigi's hot date. So they, fi- they go there to find Luigi's hot date, who happens to be the princess of this realm, apparently. 
her father was overthrown by the evil King Koopa. And he is slowly destroying the kingdom through, I don't know, action. I don't want to say like running and jumping because Mario does little running and or jumping in this entire movie. They defeat King Koopa and bring peace to the Mushroom Kingdom. Or do they as the movie ends on a cliffhanger? Look, they really wanted to go with that Back to the Future cliffhanger end. They, they wanted a sequel. They thought they were getting a sequel. And I want a Dr. Pepper, John, but that doesn't mean I have, I'm have. i getting one right now. All right. But that is the movie-ish. But this movie has facts. It has so many facts. So many beautiful, beautiful facts. So Super Mario Brothers film came out on the 31st of May, 1993. It had a $48 million budget, which, I mean, if we look at all of the other stuff, isn't that big of a budget. But, you know, it was a big budget for this, and they managed to uh, get a cumulative worldwide gross currently of $39 million. Oh man, they're getting close to getting part of their money back. They, uh, the initial release only grossed at $20 million. Uh, but how about worldwide? I mean, it obviously, it probably did really well overseas, right? They didn't bother with a worldwide release. Well, I mean, I take that back. They did, actually, with some weird changes in some of them. So, but no, the uh, $20 million is the worldwide gross. Oh. Oh. I was hoping maybe, you know, maybe we can push it along. Like, it's like the lame puppy that you know it's it's trying its darndest but you know in the end it's it's not winning but you know it it did manage to get itself a a kind of strange cult status there are lots of people who do love this film is it a suicide cult no it's oh. not it's people who willingly watch this and they enjoy it i'd rather kill myself I mean, we we talked to one earlier today. But remember, I think these are people who haven't watched it in a long time, and they think back and say, oh, it wasn't that bad. You see, they there are plenty of people. There was a big revival thing for, like, the 20th anniversary of it. They did a bunch of, uh, they uploaded a bunch of archived copies. No, these are people who know what it is, but they also go, Look, this isn't the worst film ever made. There's plenty of movies that compete for that title. Troll 2, Plan 9 from Outer Space. This isn't that. It's not a good movie. I guess that is true. But it's definitely not the worst. I mean, the production in it of itself isn't bad. I think the production team is the people who worked the hardest on this film. Because... Like, they did get the uh, art director from Blade Runner. They gave him a giant cement warehouse to build a city in. Um, And he built Blade Runner in that warehouse. They told him to build Blade Runner. (laughs) And so he did. Uh, This is the first film ever to use Adobe Adobe Flare. And it is now industry standard 
in things. So they like they pioneered that. The Yoshi puppet was at the time the most complicated animatronic because it was something like 200, 300 moving parts. The problem is that if you were looking for a dinosaur film at this time, Steven Spielberg was over making this thing called Jurassic Park. And if you have to have a movie about dinosaurs. Go with Jurassic Park. You're going with Jurassic Park. There's like there there's a lot of interesting technical aspects to the film itself. But there were a lot of not great things, like script rewrites that didn't happen and that actors weren't told about until they arrived on site to record the film. Those actors were drunk. Actors being drunk most of the time because they thought that this was gonna be they this is not the film they signed on for. Just daily the crew and the directors were in constant fights because the directors had specific where they wanted it to be specific and told the camera operators, okay, use this aperture, film at this speed, use this angle. And the camera crew once stalled in it. Like they, they were just like, okay, cool. Why are we even here? You can run the cameras. They walked out once, uh, Dennis Hopper, the guy who played Koopa, like went off on a two hour rant when they were doing one of the scenes in his room was he just yelled at the directors over all of their, all of the stuff they were telling him to change. So it's a movie that had problems. All right. And uh, it is a movie with uh, plot holes. Yes. It's kind of like, there's not a ton online, but like, if you look at it, it's more of a Eric, you're just you're just gesturing at the entire movie poster. Yeah, that works. Oh, the movie is a plot hole, I guess. I mean, it's not the... we're, we're, didn't we deal with this hyperbole before with the city of a thousand uh plot holes and no one would list them? Yeah, we did. The thing is one of the biggest problems that a lot of the critics bring up is that there's not a whole lot of plot happening. And when you don't have a whole lot of plot, there's not much room to dig holes in it, guys. But there are plot holes. There's the same one on both IMDb and Movie Mistakes are those, those people who keep us in business. When Koopa is defeated... The king turns back into a human, but the Goombas don't. And then on Movie Mistakes, they add the addendum that uh, Scapelli turns back into a human, too. All right, so we do know that there is a difference between how Scapelli became the the monkey and how the king became became fungus and how the goombas became goombas is that we know that scapelli was shot by the devolu- the evolution gun and the king is on his throne and there's no de-evolution uh, apparatus in there so we're going to assume that he got shot by the gun as well so i'm assuming this is a side effect of actually using the uh de-evolution gun like the one that's actually stationary is a lot more thorough yeah. And just higher quality or whatever. Or maybe um, 
you de-evolve something, but you have to keep it in stasis with a resonance crystal mined from the meteorite. And um, the crystal that was used on in the gun exploded with Koopa. There. Dr. Dinosaur would be proud. Dr. Dinosaur probably loves this movie. So many crystals. Or something like that. Whatever... Like there's some sort of a pseudo scientific um, explanation involving uh, crystals or resonance fields. It's definitely the harmonic re- resonance because apparently the prayer king was ba- the king was based on mushrooms. That's why he's became oh. he turned into a fungus. Well, they just moved it back further in time because you got to set on the scale how far back you wanted it to de-evolve. Most people were. Sc- um, set back to Cretaceous. Some were Jurassic, but then there was also Primordial. We'll see. And I think the thing here is that he got set back to the fungus, and the fungus can re fungus set fungus can readapt afterwards, and the mammal is capable of re readapting afterwards. But the reptilian core wasn't, and they only took the Goombas back to reptiles. And then I realized that I can't possibly be right because uh, the gun was then used to de-evolve Koopa at the end. And he remained a primordial slime. But maybe it's because he got splattered, though. You have to be, like, close to one to your original cells to be evolved, I guess. All right, all right. But that, But if we're going with that then the king shouldn't have if the Goombas didn't, because the Goombas were closer than the king was. Yeah, but they were done in... So let's go with the orig- John's original thought with the, the apparatus. The king was shot with the gun, so when the gun failed, he stayed like... Well, he was able to grow out, but his main core was in one area. Koopa, what he, he didn't have time to grow. He was more spread out like jam, I guess? Jelly? Yeah, I mean, probably half of it was still up in the uh, bucket. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to try and do to to quickly patch this uh, this hole. So if you m- manage to gather all of Koopa together in one bucket, you'd get King Koopa back? Yeah. I mean, maybe... That's a big baby. This is actually kind of a hard one. I mean. See, uh, my thing would be, because it is when Koopa is defeated is what triggers everybody coming back. Yes. So somehow his death is what's enforcing all of these. Well, and so I think that really it's the some kind of thing where, Ko- where Koopa's presence is what was doing it. Because Koopa destroyed the king and Koopa shot Scapelli. But he had his scientists devolve all the all the Goombas, and so the because the scientists are the one that did the devolution of the Goombas, the Goombas are still there. All right, guys. We were already talking about alternate dimensions, right? So what if the uh, de-evolution gun doesn't actually de-evolve you, but tries to find a interdimensional um, replica? So it's kind of a quantum entanglement thing. So as long as Koopa is around to observe that you've been uh, 
changed to the alternate form, you fixed in that form, but as soon as Koopa is removed, you revert to your original form. Well, see, and that's kind of what I think. Is that, And then with the scientists who did it, because the scientists are still there and there's there's still the Goombas. So if we defeat the scientists, then all the Goombas will turn back to normal. Yes. I also think it's interesting because um, Koopa does get hit with the de-evolution uh, machine, like the big one. But he manages to keep from reverting into a T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't have enough time in the evolution chamber but the marios also left so they weren't there to observe there we go all right the evolution works um by uh, schrodinger's cat loss quantum entanglement and uh you know, I, you know. and 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 crystals and crystals have, there's a magic crystal that is key to the plot of the story so magic crystals are in fact science within this movie's um, bubble. Well, they are because they're what powers the uh, break between dimensions. All right. Now you said plot holes, uh, plural. Well, we've got one more. <laughs> it's everybody's favorite. Uh, magic crystals. Uh, there weren't any magic crystals involved in this particular scene. All right. All right. It's during the big escape when Mario has gone to rescue his girlfriend and the other missing girls. And they hop onto a hop onto a mattress and slide down a frozen vent. And then there's a bunch of Goombas who chase after them. There's shenanigans happen because we have the slidey ice level. Yes. But then they fly out of fly fly out of the vent through the air, hit the floor and keep sliding. But according to the plot hole mattresses would not slide with this much weight on it and the people on board would simply be thrown off did they try this when they wrote this did they they set up a slide in like their stairs and then slid down the steps and then hit the ground and they got tossed off this is what i assume happened yes and they were upset that their childhood was a lie in more ways than one all right well did they uh make sure to slip like create a greasy spot of uh king fungus in front of the pipe or steps? Probably not. They and then, probably also didn't slide down how many? Uh, like 48 stories worth of frozen pipe. Yeah. And then also, I think the angle of incidence would also be very important. Um, if it's a too sharp of an angle where the mattress would hit it, it would resolve in a greater amount of force being applied to the passengers. However, if they were much... Uh, a shallower? A shallower slope then it'd be less um, energy transferred to the passengers and they would be able to stay on. Degrees matter. Huh. And oh. magic crystals. I was waiting for the magic crystal to come into your explanation. Well, obviously, if they're mining magic crystals to make their uh, de-evolution guns, they're mining magic crystals to fill the uh, memory gel in your mattress. As we know, the dinosaurs have far more advanced uh, mattress technology than humans. Ah, uh, so it was uh, spun out of magic crystal th- thread, and that's a much slicker fabric. Yes, the memory uh, gel absorbs for you, so it takes in the force, thus making it so you cannot be thrown off of a mattress. You cannot jump on a bed in a uh, dinosaur city. That is that is one of the sad truths. 
one of the many ways it's a twisted dystopia. Yes. And really, that's the biggest cause. That and the fact that they live in a blasted wasteland. But yeah, that's the full two plot holes the internet has found for this film. Only two. You watched this movie, and I only found two. Or did they not watch this movie? Is that the secret? Has the internet not watched this movie? I know it was really hard to try and find on a digital format to watch. Like, nobody wants to take my money to watch this movie. Nobody wants to admit to having this movie stored on their server, John. (laughs) I mean, do you guys have any plot holes in your head? I watched it a while ago, and not gonna lie... It's kind of just gone out the other ear. I didn't want it taking up valuable real estate space. Like, I might need to remember I don't, the Konami code or something. Or, I don't know, like, other more important things. Like, like you guys say it doesn't have a plot, but it does have a plot. I didn't say it doesn't have a plot. I just said it didn't have much of one. A paper-thin plot, more like it. That's true. But yeah, this movie, it's, uh, I, I agree with Eric, because I have seen this movie before, previously, before watching it for this, and, but I don't remember about half of it. Like, I thought, oh, I thought I had a pretty good idea of everything that happens, and then I'm watching it, and I'm like, I don't remember this. Did I just forget about it entirely? It's possible. This was my first time watching it, so it was a very different experience. I swear you've seen it before. You probably just forgot like we did. Then I forgot having ever watched it. Like, I remember watching, like, the Super Mario Brothers TV show. But not this. And then, like, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, is there a salvageable movie here? Like, if we included more mario would it be better if we included less mario would it be better and therein lies the crux like i said there's it's it's the best statement that shigeru miyamoto had about this film was just him going and being being super polite because he's a treasure of a human being but saying that they tried too hard to incorporate source material that they forgot to try to make a good movie like i just so many design choices like why why design it after blade runner why is it an isekai and then they try and do world building too i mean wouldn't it be more interesting to have mario come to our world or just be mario in mario's world well see that was the thing is the original plot the original plot was them just going to a fantasy world and rescuing a princess but then they got rewritten into this more blade runnery thing because they started asking questions of why is it in the mushroom kingdom where is the king and they're like well maybe the king's all the mushrooms but then uh they're like, what about Goombas? And oh, we have to have Goombas. They're, um, they kind of got like this small heads and walking around. And then they're like, but why are there dinosaurs? I mean, Yoshi. And they're like, all right, well, maybe King Koopa is a dinosaur. So they're 
separated from humanity. Like this is an alternate dimension where the dinosaurs didn't get wiped out. And then after we went from this one, when Disney got involved in the, in the distribution production, then they had to do a bunch more rewrites to make it less of a dark gritty film. So we went from the fantasy to our dark gritty to a dark gritty kids movie. That seems like it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, you know who your target audience is. Shouldn't the producers or people with money at some point been looking at this whole like string of events and said, no, no, we don't want these directors. You have a stupid idea. This is a kid's film. We want this to be something that kids watch. I mean, it's not like and all the other films at the time involved kids were trying to be dark, gritty Blade Runners. Maybe it's more of a, they just saw how much it had cost at that moment. It's like, it's too it. late just, now. Just we're, get it out. We're not going to throw more money at this to try and fix it. All right. Well, I guess they did understand that um, policy. They probably, so in movies, they'll put, um, they'll take an insurance claim out on it. In case the movie flops, they can still recoup their money back. I'm guessing that's what they did here. They just <laughs> make sure the insurance is caught up. But isn't this kind of like the equivalent of uh, burning down your own house after getting your insurance? Like, I feel like that's the equivalent here. Like, it's going to fail. And they're like, just make it fail. See, it's the... When you see a garbage fire, you don't go over and try to put out the garbage fire. (laughs) You just let it burn out. I feel like they kept throwing garbage at it on some level, though. That, that would be like the directors who kept trying to fix it. But the production team and the like the release for Touchstone, just like, just let it be done. Have it out there, have it finish, and just let it go. Because this movie, and it, it has tainted the whole genre concept. Though, I mean, on some level... Isn't making a movie of your favorite video game a step backwards? Well, it, it would be if this was anyone involved's favorite video game. Pretty much nobody involved in this, except for like the initial guy who did the original pitch to Nintendo, both knew what and had played Mario. And this is so far from that original pitch that... Who, who even knows... And, like, Nintendo didn't want creative control in there because they were going to see what people came up with. They want to see what it, they're like, oh, right, you can just have at it and let's see what you come up with. I mean, to be honest, it's not like Mario at that period had a massive plot, anything more than the dinosaur turtle who spits fire, maybe dragon, maybe not, kidnapped the princess who lives in a land populated with pipes and walking fungus and and turtle soldiers you know just let them go and see what they come up with and then if it fails well it wasn't like nintendo didn't make it so they can't be blamed and they didn't lose much i mean they got paid either way and it i don't think it really hurt mario as a, a brand you mean the most popular character like ever more popular than Mi- mickey mouse isn't hello kitty worth more money i didn't say worth more money i said more <laughs> recognizable all right 
uh, I can't remember when this poll was done, but more people can recognize Mario than Mickey Mouse. So, yeah. So yeah, I guess Mar or Nintendo went out fine with it. I'm just. It did, however, mean that Nintendo didn't bother with any kind of live action adaptation of any of their properties until Detective Pikachu. They're just like, cool, yeah, nah. What about the Super we'll Mario with... show, though? The Super Mario show had um, a live, live action, action segment, element. but it was mostly the uh, the cartoon, the cartoon, which kind of makes sense to me. I feel like animated is better for the Nintendo style um, catalog, like because they are cartoony designs. You're gonna lose something if you try and turn it live action. Uh, really quick, Richard, uh, when was this film originally pitched? Like, was it pitched and then went through the production development fairly quickly, or was it... It only took a couple of years. Uh, it was probably, like, the late 80s. Okay. Uh, late 80s, early 90s. I'm just trying to figure out when it um, lined up in the Mario... Like, the the Nintendo, or the game's timeline... Because the movie came out, and I believe that Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo had come out earlier. I mean, they included Yoshi, who was a main character in that. But I'm just wondering if they were basing it more off of Super Mario 3, which was 1989, I believe. So I'm just trying to figure that out. Like, where it lands in the Mario timeline. Um, and what what influences would have had on it. It's obviously Mario 3 is a lot, and some Mario World, but... Yes, uh, World had just come out. Okay. Because a heavy influence on it was Dinosaur Land from Mario World. So maybe they got some uh, production notes from Nintendo about what was coming up for Super Mario World? Or please include these characters as a promotional effort for our big money maker. I think World had just just barely come out, and so, hey, there's now dinosaurs in Mario. We're going to do this thing. So now I'm beginning to think, because previously I stated you could add dinosaurs to pretty much any other genre and be better. And now I'm trying to decide, is, is it a failure of dinosaurs in cyberpunk? Or is it how the ex specific expression of dinosaurs in cyberpunk? Because it's not like they're really dinosaurs. Yeah, they're, they're basically humans who evolved from dinosaurs. There's one dinosaur, which is Yoshi. And that was pretty good. That was honestly one of the better parts. So we determined now that if there were more dinosaurs in their dinosaur world, it would have been better. It would, it would have been a better sell. All right. Now that does bring me, remind me of what I was going to bring up. Because in the club, right, they're listening to the song and the guy's rapping about uh, walking like a dinosaur. Yes. Isn't that kind of strange for dinosaurs to be listening to songs about being dinosaurs? They're hearkening back to their past. I'm, I Wasn't there an extremely popular song in the 70s called Walk Like an Egyptian? Uh, I think that was uh, the 80s, wasn't it? The Bengals? It was an 80s song. Oh, but I thought it was late but 70s. But still, it's a song hearkening back to walking like Egyptians. Yeah, but the people who are listening to it aren't Egyptians. Like, that song wasn't from Egypt. So what, Egyptians <laughs> can't listen to it now? Are you some sort of racist, John? I'm saying that they probably didn't. I don't know how big that song was in uh, Egypt. You don't know how big it was in Egypt. You just if we have any, out. If we have an Egyptian listener, 
tell us whether or not you have listened to the Bengals song "Walk and, Like an Egyptian." And isn't what this the song "Walk Like an Egyptian" far more uh, racist than asking about the source of the song, Eric? Only a racist would say that, John. I feel but, you're going to get canceled now, Eric. We all know you're the one who's racist in this podcast. I haven't done anything to offend anyone, except maybe like people who enjoyed this idiotic movie. And yeah. I said that Luigi was like the loser character. No, he's the sad sack. But besides the point, you knew you were a younger sibling if you played as Luigi. Yeah, yeah. You knew you were not the best friend if you played with Luigi. Look, the way the friendship worked was if you were friends, you just switched controllers when somebody died. And now if you didn't. Uh, if if you if you weren't good friends, then they handed you a controller and pretended to let you play. Well, now I'm sad. As Eric thinks back and is like, "Wait a minute, no, I'm not... I played Luigi a lot. I played Luigi with lots of friends that I don't know." Oh, nope. <laughs> I am the oldest brother, or oh. I am the oldest sibling. I was always Mario. My siblings weren't. You were Mario. You were Mario all along. So, any more thoughts on this <laughs> on this crazy movie? And, uh, I mean, is cyberpunk as a genre what you think of when you think of Mario? No. Like, what would you, what is the genre for Mario? Is it classic fantasy? Is it animated? Adventure, I'd probably say. Fan- adventure fantasy fantasy adventure however you but but if you if you couldn't cast it as its best but maybe what would, the, would create the most interesting movie mario is a garbage isekai and it, it should be an animated series and it would go well there's so many garbage isekais and i love them Oh, perhaps um, for some listeners who might not know what an isekai is it is a subgenre within the anime um, community I've called another world about a person from our world usually visiting another fantasy world they find themselves in now this is not actually for a concept originated in Japan as you give for instance the Chronicles of Narnia are definitely that style of story and is in fact the most common classical fantasy story for um, decades leading up to the Lord of the Rings, which actually has the major influence of creating the person in the fantasy world and just stays in the fantasy world. You, the fantasy world is built up. I don't know. I don't think Tolkien invented that concept, but he revivified it compared to, you know, um, we have John Carter of Mars up through like Narnia, at least, of people visiting another fantasy world. Isakai. I was not going to lie. I was like, yeah, I don't know what that word means. So, now you know. Now you know. So it's a fish out of water story. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Wizard of uh, Oz. You go to the magical world. You come back at the end. Or that in Disney Enchanted Sometimes. movie or something. And which is kind of a, re- I'd say. It's reverse. a reverse guy. And it has the benefit of the audience can learn the peculiarities of this new world along with the protagonist because that person also needs to have all of these things explained to them and so you can have someone explain it to them without 
having somebody turn and look at the audience and go, just so you know, this is how it all works. The more you know. But, you know, that's that's how it is. I just, so much world building to create this crazy world, and then they don't answer so many questions. They don't, they don't answer why the world's in the desert. How did they survive if the world's a desert? Well, I'm pretty sure that's world three of the Mario world, so obviously it works. No, it's actually world two. Never mind. I mean, I'm whatever. Why, why did we have all this information about King Koopa ordering a pizza? He orders a pizza. Later on, he gets a call about the pizza. And after that is our final confrontation. The pizza is never brought up again. What happened to the pizza? I think that it was a lost cut where it was probably in one of those original scripts where that was how Mario and Luigi were going to get into the tower instead of sneaking in through uh, vents and freezing elevators and stuff. They were going to deliver the pizza. Shouldn't they have just caught up the scaffolding because the building was under construction and then the gorilla was throwing barrels down at them? That would involve them having a mammal in the dinosaur land, and they can't do that. They totally can. They, they could have uh, had a, another person gone, been captured and turned into a giant gorilla. That would have been another script rewrite, John. We, were, we already cut those losses. Okay, now, really quick before we get to the towards the end. We've uh, crapped on this movie quite a bit. What was your favorite part of this movie? Let's end on a positive note. Oh man, now I got to think about what's good about this movie. I will give mine so I don't uh, don't have to <laughs> don't have to compete with yeah, uh... don't have to compete. So my favorite part was when they're actually in the elevator with the Goombas and uh, they start humming some music or whatever and get the Goombas to dance with one another, and then the elevator opens and Coop, uh, King Koopa, or I guess President Koopa, he's not a king in this yet, but sees them all just like dancing with one another. I thought, you know, this is kind of absurd, but. F- it's fun to see. So yeah, dancing Goombas in the elevator. All right. I think my favorite part is that you have the uh, Koopa cousins, and they're they're just so dumb the entire time. And so King Koopa's like, I'm sick of you being dumb. And he makes them smart. And they're still so dumb. It doesn't change their characters in any way. It just has them be intelligent but unwise the entire time. And I kind of love those guys. I think, honestly, they were probably my favorite part of the movie, was watching them. All right, I was going to pick those guys, <laughs> because Richard makes good points, but I'm going to pick instead, is when the grandmother tells the Mario brothers that it's a dangerous neighborhood and asks them if they have a weapon, and when they say no, she immediately holds them up. Because <laughs> that's a pretty good joke. It is pretty good, and it's very cyberpunk. But this is with this being the start of our video game movie set, right? Yes. There are a lot of video games that got a lot of bad movies. That is that is the pattern. I mean, we're starting to get some pretty good ones. But there's a lot of video games that just haven't gotten films at all. What what video game do you think should have gotten a movie? And what would it have been like? Now, it, am I just going to say like a is it a Xenosaga? 
and it would just be the, no, the game John. minus the actual gameplay parts. No, John, that would have just been really the cutscenes edition, and plenty of people have put that on YouTube. It's you can't you can't do that one. Oh man, do we have a time limit? Like, do they have to be games between nineteen eighty ah. or two thousand or whatever? Or not? Go for it. I mean, if you want, if you want, like somebody to do a Bloodborne horror movie, go for it. Uh, see, actually, but if you want, like your French existential Tetris. I am all for French existential Tetris. Sometimes I ask myself, why is it that they line up the blocks? It seems to be my goal, but once the blocks are lined up, they disappear on me, like everything else. Am I building towards nothing? Because there is only nothing when I succeed, but when I fail, the blocks remain. So, there you go. (laughs) What would you do for your movie? All right, so let me pitch you a story. You're going to have your main character who, after some horrible tragedy, is just trying to cope with, you know, through unhealthy means, like using illicit substances like mind-altering drugs and whatnot. And this person is haunted by the ghost of his past. And, and, eat, and like, taking the pills doesn't, in fact, um, eliminate the ghost. It's only when he starts doing healthy behavior, like eating, like, fruits like fruits or other things like obviously maybe there is like his actual meds that he should be taking but because he was in an accident he's not able to work he can't afford all those so he has to ration out those pills and he's just haunted by the ghost of his past and they're just chasing after him and no matter how hard he tries like but once he actually gets help he is able to confront those ghosts of his old friends itchy scratchy blinky and mo that's that's a four, right? I can't remember their names. Coming soon with theory near you, this maze of mine. By David Lynch. Oh well, of course. All right. So, what's your film, John? Uh, I'm, I'm still stuck on French existential. Uh, French existential Tetris. Tetris, because think about it. Like it'd be black and white. And so you wouldn't actually see the colors. I feel like you'd never actually see the blocks. You'd know about the blocks. I think the, maybe... I think the blocks are like implied in background art, but never actually shown. Like you'd have like an overview shot of like a neighborhood and like the neighborhood would be laid out kind of like the blocks. Yeah. Yeah. But you wouldn't, they're not, but they're it's just... clearly a neighborhood. Yeah. It's clearly a neighborhood. It's just this protagonist looking out on the neighborhood and being reminded of the blocks that is his art in his work in his life. And he obviously escaped from a Soviet, the Soviet bloc. Uh-huh. So would this be set in the eighties then, or is this like early nineties? Um, I might be older than that. Maybe he's actually, uh, directly after, um, oh no, he's German. He's okay. German and his house is on the East side of the Berlin wall. But he was out of his house when they settled the. Uh... He was on the west. He was in on in Western Berlin when the wall went up. Yes, and so he moved to France. Okay, okay. And he he wonders about his home and what was lost, and he only gets reports of the brutality of. Um, what's going on in the USSR? And his father was a bricklayer. All right. 
And his, his father only ever talked to him in metaphors about bricks. <laughs> like, like, and then, you know, we'll like zoom in and his father's like, we have to make a project here. We're trying to put an L shape uh, um, in this corner to repair this fallen wall. And his son's like, but what about a single one? Like a single line. And his father's like, that is the greatest gift you can ever have. A single line of bricks. It will never. It happens once in a while. But you should not depend on life giving you a single line of bricks. You need to come with the zigzags and the corners. All right, Richard. What if you had a video? If you could make a video game movie, which one would you make? All right. Uh, if I had a video game movie, I would do a like Guy Ritchie or Coen Brothers film of River City Ransom. I want. A bunch of people making bad decisions and having interconnected storylines and unintended consequences. As a couple of people are just going through the city trying to rescue their girlfriends. And I think it would either be Coen Brothers or Guy Ritchie. I don't know, maybe Streets of Rage? Just so we can have wall chicken? Or I thought it was floor chicken. <laughs> floor chicken, yeah. Floor chicken sounds like a poor decision. And that would be a running theme is someone eats the chicken. And throughout the story, we find out everything that happened to that chicken to lead to that point. See, I, I'm okay with, like, I would do this one. It would be fine. River City Ransom is full of plenty of bad decisions. I'm surprised Pong didn't get a movie adaptation. In like the 80s, kind of like a sports movie. See, I'm going to see with that one, it would go with the uh, video game documentary, like King of Kong. King of Pong? All right, no. No, they'd probably just call it Ping. So, yeah, we've given this to you, uh, Hollywood. If you're listening, know that you need to get your Pac-Man movie by uh, David Lynch, your... French as existential Tetris and your Guy Ritchie River City Ransom. We've set you up for success. You just have to follow through and not make Blade Runner. Man, all right. No, real quick. Which which video game should have been Blade Runner? Mass Effect. <laughs> I think Sonic would have done the Blade Runner treatment better because Sonic is already cyberpunk. In fact, that is the the key uh, conflict, isn't it? It's Sonic having to fight um, the human. The mechanizations of uh, Robotnik? The, yeah, mechanizations of Robotnik who's trying to convert the world into a mechanical version. And what that means to be an animal. Trans-animalism. Uh, I mean, or you, could, or you could do like The Fall or... <laughs> I'm just saying right away, I mean, half the settings... In uh, Sonic games could be in a cyberpunk world, right? We got the factories, the uh, casino cities, the... Or the one that's all entirely medieval and it's so strange. Sonic, what did you even do there? Nobody knows. They were just throwing stuff out there. So maybe that's what we needed for Sonic. We should have had Sonic be the first video game movie. And Mario waited uh, decades before they got their first film. When uh, technology allowed them to retain their central form and still interact with uh, normal people. That's, I, think, I think that's what happened in the brightest timeline. 
they got the Sonic movie first. I'm just kind of th- imagining a Howard the Duck sort of movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, with the costume they'd have to have for Sonic. <laughs> oh, and that's horrible. That is true. No, they'd make him animatronic. He would be animatronic. Not a man in a suit. Did they have enough money to make him animatronic? I Look, mean, they... think about how cheap it would be. Half the time, it is a uh, furry blue basketball they roll around the, <laughs> the set. See, they missed here, a chance. I figuring they were going to try, like, they were going to be funding this because they, you know, were throwing the same kind of money at it. They were going to do something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, like a half animated, half live yeah. action. That would have been a great way to do a lot of video game adaptations. And everybody would have just treated it as normal, and you just go. But if you think that French as existential Tetris is the greatest thing ever, leave a like on Facebook. Or, in 280 characters or less, tell us... Ooh, let's see. Give us an elevator pitch of your video game movie. What would you do, uh, who would you, and who would direct it? Maybe a, sh- maybe a sentence blurb or whatever. I don't know. Be creative. Let's add some positivity back to Twitter. Uh, you can let us know at PlotsBacklePod. Or if you've already got the script written where you've cast Jason Statham as Cuneo, then you can go ahead and send that over and we'll read your, we'll do a live read of your River City Ransom screenplay at G- PlotsBacklePodcast at gmail.com. And then a big thanks to our patrons who uh, on Patreon give us the coins necessary to get an extra life. Because there's 100 coins that you get to get an extra life in Mario, right? Yes. Or jump on enough heads. Real quick, guys. This is a disclaimer. Jumping on people's heads in real life will not get you an extra life. Well, yeah, sure it will. Extra life's in jail. You might, if you kill one yeah, person. Yeah, I mean, you see... People? What happens is if you jump on enough heads, they give you like, you know, three or four lifetime sentences.